You really mustn't, darling. I... All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Can I Comment? I am Michael. And I'm Jake. And we're excited about today's episode. We sit down with our friend Sats Selenke. That's right. Sats is a pastor of a church in London. Yeah. And we talked about... Should we get vaccinated? Vaccination mandates? Should we? Should we not get vaccinated? What is uh, the Christian's responsibility to get vaccinated? All of that. Basically, all things COVID as it relates to their experience in the UK. In the UK. And then we even talked a little bit about evolutionary thought and the impacts that that has upon objective morality. So yeah. it was a good episode. Really yeah. good episode. It was fun chatting with him. He has a new podcast out called Thought Club, uh, which is on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and all the different podcast streamers. So make sure you check that out. And then, hey, listen, if you're loving the show, do us a massive favor. Um, would you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify? Would you leave us a rating? Um, leave us a comment, subscribe on all the platforms, including YouTube. We put some clips up there as well. So, um, hey, let's jump into this interview with Sats and we will see you back here next week. Talk to you soon. So, dude, we are here with Sats. And how do you pronounce your last name specifically? Because I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, it's all good, but it's Solanke. Solanke. Yeah. Where, where are you, Sats? Are you born in the UK? Yeah, yeah. So, born in the UK, grown up here. And, but my, my parents are a bit all over the place. So, my dad's side are from India. My mum's side, um, her dad's from Mauritius. Her mum's from oh. North of England. So, it's just a bit of a, bit of a mix. Cool. And then you pastor in London. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're seeking you- church. Um, see to reflect. Sorry, you're going to say. I was just going to say, how long have you been doing that? Yeah, so we've been here. I think we we when we first met Jake, it, it was not too long before that. I think I think we moved in yeah end of 2015. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of when we started, and that was all part of um, Hope City at the time, like the multi site yeah. church we yeah. part of. And how's it been? So were you guys are you guys back meeting in person? What's the process been like? Just doing doing the church thing in London over the last yeah. 18 months. Yeah. I think it's been, it's, uh, so we've literally just done our first um, gathering back. That wasn't because we couldn't before. It was just, it was so restricted that it was kind of like, yeah, there was no singing, no talking, no coffee, no, um, no loitering, no lingering for quite a while. So um, our kind of big date was kind of towards the end of July, everything technically opened. And I think just because we've been on quite a big journey as a church, we were obviously relaunched see yeah. through reflect there's been a lot of change internally leadership yeah. change and stuff and so i think we just decided to take it really slow not yeah. rush um give yeah. people space like it's been 18 months of like yeah just giving people space but we've, we've just had our first gathering so that was really cool that's yeah, a just, thing right like i remember having that conversation with some people last year about coming back to gatherings and there were people that that wanted us to be more gung-ho about it having to explain to them that like part of the reason is not like just because of COVID. It's because of the havoc that COVID re- wreaks on your church. Yes. So like if we wanted to come back and gather, it's like, well, we used to have a team of like a couple hundred people. Yeah. And now <laughs> like you want us to set up church in a parking lot and and, and we want to. <laughs> we want to. But we have very limited resources. It would be me and you and a few <laughs> others setting it up in the parking lot now. <laughs> so we had, we had to do the same thing. We, we came back in the new year, uh, which was certainly probably a little bit slower than some people would have liked it. But it's sure. been a, a great steady build mm-hmm. and uh mike mike and i and uh, a bunch of our team all keep talking about how we just think we're in our most favorite time as a church mm-hmm. right wow yeah why do you think that is i think the people who are there really want to be there um, yes and there's a really genuine 
uh, sincerity to people's faith. I think people want something really rock solid to stand on. So there's like a huge passion for the scriptures. I think people love like no apology mm-hmm. messages and yes. um, just coming under the banner of truth. So um, yeah. it's it's yielded a lot of strength in our church, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's really and, interesting. And then after leading through COVID, you just like, you've just kind of walked through all of it. And so you really can just kind of show up with a fresh, um, like an excitement, but also just like the people that are there want to be there. And you've already yes. dealt with all the frustration, criticism on both sides. And it's kind of like, yeah. I'm just excited to show up and see who shows up yeah. and have church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's yeah, drama. Very yes. few things. Well, I, even if there is drama, it's, I just think at this stage in life, fewer things feel like life-threatening emergencies. Yeah. Um, and so there's just less to be anxious about. Yeah. Uh, I think less of a pressure to try and make everybody happy, um, mm. which is, I think, a, a huge killer to anybody's leadership in any context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which I mean, you, you know, you just started this new podcast where you're just tackling all the controversial issues. So you're not too worried. <laughs> I love it. It's just like, it's, it's basically you sitting down and just kind of talking about, hey, this is the nuance. These are the different perspectives. So you're kind of like running right to some of the more controversial yeah. topics of the day. How's that? Yeah. Why did you decide to do that? And like, what's the response been like? Oh, that was really funny the way you phrased it in terms of just going for these controversial topics because actually it's quite funny. It, I, like, I'm not really meant to do that, but it's just funny how it's worked out. Um, I think I just wanted to create a bit of a space. Um, it's something I've wanted to do for a while and I've tried in different formats. I find social media can be too um, quick, um, short-term, quick bursts of thoughts. And sometimes it's even not very effective or it just doesn't really doesn't really present like the full kind of picture of some of these topics. Um, just having more of a just a conversation, even though it's just a conversation myself at the moment, but just having that space to have more nuance. And um, yeah, I think it's just really helpful, hopefully. So um, yeah, and, and I think I'm frustrated because, um, you know, there's a lot of these sorts of things that are presented in very mainstream ideas that are just presented in a very sort of like, oh, well, of course. Um, and nobody ever digs behind some of the kind of, you know, just the reasoning or the almost like the thoughts that are, are in our mind. Nobody unpicks where they come from. Um, mm. And I'm realizing that's just like a huge thing um, yeah. that we just think certain things, but we never think about where they come from. Uh, so that's kind of the idea of where, where the podcast came from. Yeah. That's so good. Have people that have been listening to your podcast been responding pretty well to it? Yeah, I, I'm. I, I suppose my the nature in which it's launched has been very low key, very organic. So I, I would say at the moment, there's probably not anyone listening who's got who's um, probably vastly differing views. Probably a lot of people on the yeah. same train of thought at the moment. But so yeah, it's all been positive so far. But 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 I think you know you never really see never really see see change outside of a one on one conversation. Like that's where all the good change happens in, in mm-hmm. people's hearts and thinking. And and I suppose yeah, hopefully it creates some space for a bit more of that. Um, yeah. So the DMs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What are some of the things that you've been talking about? I guess like what's on the top of your mind? Yeah. Um, evolution. I've been talking about evolution, morality. Cool. Um, of course, COVID is in there, isn't it? Like, uh, so the first episode was around vaccinations. Model vaxxed. Um, I, I listened to a podcast with uh, I think it was Edward McManus, and he said one of the main reasons he was getting the vac- you know getting vaccinated was one because of his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and two, uh, just so you could actually kind of speak into this stuff. And I, I think that's actually a really cool perspective. Like mm. it opens up that conversation to just ask about 
yeah, just the way things are presented and communication. I know in the States, it's different from the UK, but there's still this, uh, people have questions mm-hmm. and it feels like you can't ask questions without being kind yeah. of um, mm-hmm. seen as a bit of a kind of extreme health risk. Conspiracy or, theorist or something. Yeah, like that. and that's generally speaking, I mean, sometimes it's true, but most of the time it's it's not the case, you know? Yeah. Um, what are some of the questions that people are asking there? Mike and I are both vaxxed as well, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I would say we would just guessing probably fall into a similar camp as you in terms of just kind yeah. of wondering about the messaging behind the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what are my questions around it? Um, Yours are, I guess, yeah, the ones that you've been encountering. Yeah, I think I think there's obviously like, there's, there's obviously like, I think with political decisions, it's there's always, with something as big as this, there's always that sense of, um, you know, once you've made a decision, you kind of have to fully stand behind it. Right. You can't really flip-flop because you kind of get torn apart in the political world. So I think as a politician, you're in a very difficult sort of spot. Yeah. And therefore, once you've kind of chosen your strategy, which is very early on, isn't it, in the pandemic, you kind of choose what you're going to do, you kind of have to follow through regardless. And then it just feels like sometimes the messaging behind that just feels slightly confusing or the data just doesn't quite add up, in, not across the board, but in certain points. And so it feels like there's a lot of kind of um, just um, here's what you need to think, here's what right. you need to think. And anybody who thinks otherwise m- must be up to no good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think I think it's difficult as a Christian because you want to kind of get behind the government, you want to um, yeah. you want to be a good citizen, yeah. you want to cover, but you also want the truth as well. Like and and not like all the truth. You, you don't need to know everything, but yeah, I suppose what I can see is I, I can see a lot of negative impacts of the messaging um, mm-hmm. around fear and mental health and things like that. And so that's kind of where my concern is. Expand upon that for me. Um... Because I guess some of my thoughts around it are like the moralizing of the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a morally neutral thing mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the vaccine. You're either being uh, moral or immoral. Right. And yeah. I think that's that's dangerous. Yeah. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Mike. Well, that was just what I was going to ask both of you guys. Literally about that same thing is something I'm seeing a lot. Is that like the the, the coupling of Jesus commanded us to be a good neighbor and love, right. our, love neighbor. our neighbor. Therefore, it's my right. moral obligation to get this vaccine. Um, and that was going to be my question for both of you guys, like leading, leading churches in like very urban environments mm-hmm. where uh, I see that's like a lot of the Christian mm-hmm. commentary around this. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, well, is there any truth in that statement? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the biblical kind of truth behind that mm-hmm. specifically with something like the vaccine? Cause a lot of people think that, Yeah, you totally. know, Sats, what do you think? Yeah. Man? <laughs> I see what you did there. Here's that question right there. I think I think it's a tension, isn't it? Because um, you know, there's there's the tension of what can we do for the common good for community, yep. which you obviously want to. Who, who doesn't want to do that? Um, and then there's just tension with um, you know religious beliefs for some, which is stuff around. And, and again, I'm no scientist. I don't even fully understand this, but around fetal cell lines, yeah, being aborted, aborted cells, um, like. I think that's a concern for some people, which I think is like fair enough. I, I think sometimes people may not even be correct in thinking I shouldn't have the vaccine, but I just kind of feel like if they feel that way, I don't think we sh- we can tell, you know, you can't force people to, to do it. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, if someone doesn't exercise and they become a health risk, can we force them to exercise? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So I, th- I think there's, I think there's that tension of we want to encourage people to do the right thing and what we think is the right thing, whatever we feel that is. And that's okay, but there has to be a point where we don't force people. I think that's yeah. just, that's not cool. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. I do think it is morally neutral. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that you can make the, the equivalency of loving your neighbor to that mm-hmm. means that I must get the COVID-19 vaccine. Mm-hmm. I think that oh. if 
for you personally, that mm-hmm. is a way that you think you're loving your neighbor, then then terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that me as a vaccinated person can then turn around to somebody who's like, ah, I'm not so sure about it yet, can morally shame them or make them the, the morally lesser person because of their position. Yeah. I think if I'm somebody who is not not sold on getting vaccinated yet, I think a key component of that position is that you just have to be willing to keep updating your position. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you can just be staunch and steadfast in terms of this is where I am and I'm never going to change. Never gonna change. I think it has to be based yeah, yeah. upon the what we know about about the vaccine. And so I think eventually you have to just keep asking yourself the question, is my position the current informed position or is it just mm-hmm. kind of what I'm holding to? Because mm-hmm. similar to what you were saying about you know political strategies, it's just like, well, this is our strategy and this is what yeah. we're sticking to. I think you as an individual person have to be willing to update your position as well mm-hmm. uh, over over time. But yeah. even if somebody said, I don't, I don't want to get it, I don't think that that makes them morally wrong, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if the vaccine is as effective as we're being told the vaccine is, then at the end of the day, they're harming themselves right. if, if they do get harmed. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It just become a very emotional um, issue, I think, as well, because again, like you said, once you do make that decision personally, you do feel like I want to stand my ground. And if anyone comes against you a little bit, there's that yeah. human element in, there in the mix. So it's, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah, I guess going a bit further than that, a question I have actually for both of you, something that I really actually have underestimated and didn't anticipate was the amount of people just in like our local church alone that have come to me going, my job is going to force me to get it. Mm-hmm. I'm a musician and wow. I'm about to go on tour and my management just called me and told me that I can't go on this tour if I'm not vaccinated. Like I've, I would say just in my limited sphere alone, 10 people have reached out to me about wow. that. Like what is, wow. if I'm morally against it, but my finances are connected, like, is this a hill that I die on or not? How would you guys counsel somebody pastorally who's like, mm-hmm. hey, it could potentially mean my job? Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? I think for me, I'm sorry to ask the tough question. No, this is a really good question. Like I really try, if the Bible is not super clear on something, I really try to respect people's conviction. Mm -hmm. And I don't usually make an effort to convert people's conviction if Mm -hmm. I can't make a really strong biblical basis for doing so. Mm -hmm. So if people have theological reasons for resisting a vaccine, Mm -hmm. then I will correct their theology. Mm And I will remove the obstacles so that they can see, oh, actually, there's no theological reason here for me not to do this. But if people have a conviction, like Paul says, whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is, is going through something because I have convinced them to do it, even though they're unsure about mm-hmm. it because of their reasonings. Mm-hmm. And I think like the, the fetal cell lining is certainly a reason that I've seen come up for people. I, I don't know that that's actually me behaving the way the Bible prescribes for me to behave as a, uh, a Christian leader. Mm. So now I would say that on the other side of the coin, people have to be really willing to scrutinize their reasons for not doing something Mm -hmm. and be willing to take the emotion out of it and to insert the humility into it Mm -hmm. and be willing to say, you know what, this was my position. Now I'm changing it because of X, Y, and Z. And I think being able to uh, participate in the goings on of the world Mm -hmm. um, is a necessary aspect of a successful Christian witness. So if our position on something uh, is keeping us from that, then I think that we have to really think through that. Unless, of course, the thing that's being um, put before us by the society is something that causes us to denounce the Lordship of Christ. Right. um, Which then that you would get into kind of Mark of the Beast territory, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't see that with... The, the vaccine. But if I go back to my other side of the coin, 
there are some some aspects to it that aren't necessarily related to theology or morality. They're just kind of connected to what kind of world do we want to live in? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do I want to live in a world where I am less free or do I want to live in a world where people are more free? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I tend to, to <laughs> want to live in a world where people are more free, <laughs> not, not less. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think there is something to be said about freedoms that are lost in times of crisis generally kind of set a new watermark for mm-hmm. the society that we live in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a, a bad argument for people to make. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think I saw something today, actually, I think Boris Johnson, our prime minister, you probably knew that. Um, he uh, There were certain powers that came in during lockdown that the MPs voted on. And I think they've just done something in the law that means that they have to vote again if they want those, those powers to come back. So they're not mm-hmm. just staying. It's really interesting. Um, I think from what I'm hearing, I think there's less of the job insecurity, apart from the obvious kind of restaurants and so on having to close during lockdown. There's less of that in the in the UK. I think there probably mm. is some, and there's definitely kind of rumblings um, kind of there. But they just decided to, um, yeah, they were talking about having COVID vaccinations to go to nightclubs and, you know, mm-hmm. big event, you know, theatres, et cetera, but that's not happening now. So Got it. Um, so it's not yeah. happening in like a sweeping way, let's say, so. like they're saying. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, positive for us, but. It, it's not even necessarily happening here yet either. I mean, there was, so mm. uh, President Biden put forth, a, I guess it's like a suggested mandate mm-hmm. for businesses of over 100 employees here to require yeah. vaccination mm-hmm. or for their employees to do a weekly COVID test. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of pushback on that from people who are yeah. more right-leaning um, across the streets. Yeah. But I, I will say, though, that I think part of it is that they're also working to make COVID tests uh, significantly cheaper mm-hmm. and more accessible. Mm-hmm. So at first glance, it does kind of seem like kind of gnarly. Yeah. But then I think when you kind of dig beneath the surface a bit, I think there's probably a, a little less to be afraid of. It's not as like a hard line in the sand. It's it's basically yeah. like before you walk into your office building, you may need to do the swab, <laughs> yeah, but swab test once a week. Exactly. And, yeah. But I think they're they're in this instance, I think the administration is kind of bringing the blowback on themselves mm-hmm. because their messaging is quite hard line. Right. But then you read the nuance. Right. And go, Actually, there's quite a few caveats here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I haven't deeply explored it. But in terms of like the top line messaging or like the quick little 20 second video you watch on Instagram, mm-hmm. it's like it's it's basically you're an immoral person. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Get the vaccine <laughs> or be a part of it. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I mean, in the UK, are you guys looking at America just going like you people have lost your mind at the amount of just sensational back and forth that goes on? Uh, my, this could just be me personally, but my, my feeling is that people are switching off um, mm. because there's been so much yeah. on and on and on and on and on. And people are just starting to feel a bit like, not necessarily bored, but just uh, desensitized to all of the drama and mm-hmm. just thinking, you know, let's just get on with our lives, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's definitely, maybe might just be me personally. I'm, I'm not sure I'm up to date with yeah, US news in terms of what's happening. I think we do look and it does seem a bit more dramatic and we're just kind of getting on with it. I think there's been a lot more acceptance of the vaccine here. If you're not vaccinated, it's very. I, I, don't, I think there are some people, but it's not. Um, it's not so common. I don't think. Um, I don't know that it's even that common here. Like, okay, I don't know what the vaccination rate is in the UK, but it's pretty high here. Yeah, I think mm. they're saying okay, there's yeah. 80 million Americans as of last week who haven't received a shot of mm. uh, the vaccine okay. mm-hmm. in a country of 330 million people. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people have have received it. Um, but of course, the news is always going to focus on the outliers, and, right? Yeah, yeah. 
course yeah we, I, we'd be i'd be making up the stats but we'd probably be around 80 85 90 something like that so it's pretty mm-hmm. yeah yeah it sounds like it's a bit higher yeah america there. basically it's one extreme that's gotten every version of the vaccine and is trying to get the booster or just like wanting yeah. nothing to do with it you don't hear anything <laughs> in between you know just stacking each vaccine on, on i did read this morning uh stats that uh i guess the british health minister suggested that there would be no more lockdowns to fight COVID-19 in the UK. He said, I'm yeah, not anticipating any more yeah. lockdowns. I think it would be irresponsible for any health minister around the world to take everything off the table, but I just don't see how we get another lockdown. And I guess also ruling out, his suggestion was ruling out vaccine passports mm. in terms of allowing mm. people to attend mass events. Yeah, sure. And that's a website we- called news.trust.org. So how can you not trust <laughs> that? Automatically trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny yeah because I, I think the interesting thing is with travel isn't it because of course you can't you know you can't affect what's happening with other countries so that'll be probably where i suspect that's where it will come in but yeah i think within the uk itself it's looking fairly kind of um yeah open um but i think also like politics always follows the culture doesn't it so it's like whatever the, mm. the man on the ground feels is where the politicians end up going and it does feel mm-hmm. like people are just like let's live our lives <laughs> yeah. let's just get on with it um but you know we'll, we've gone along with it it's quite polite and we're you know we're gonna we want to we want to submit to what's happening that's the vibe but we also a bit fed up yeah yeah so. i would say that's similar here there's mm-hmm. a, I, I would say there's a, a healthy streak of rebellion mm-hmm. um <laughs> in, in people and i i don't dislike all of that i i think it's good for yep. people to be a bit questioning and yeah um you know kind of think make their own decisions as they think through everything as opposed to just blanket i'm going to take this and i'm going to run with it i think that's a really good way to approach is to let people to have the facts and make a choice Mm -hmm. sorry to get in guys but shall i turn my light on because this is getting pretty dark around here (laughs) oh yeah for it switch it off oh Oh, there you go (laughs) you can now see me again (laughs) perfect perfect so so in in london so another one of your podcast episodes you talk about universal truth and one thing that we're you know we're experiencing a lot of right now in in america when it comes to the church and and all of it uh is just this idea of truth more relativism conversation around deconstruction people approaching obviously like christianity again saying i actually don't know that this is the truth that i've always subscribed to is that something that's happening in the uk right now or i mean obviously you're touching on it on the podcast so talk to us a bit about what that yeah, I think I think it's definitely happening. My feeling is that we are further post um, in the post-Christian space, and that it's happened a little bit more gradually. So it doesn't feel like it's it's like a recent wave so much as just a general erosion. <laughs> Got it. Um, truth. Um, yeah, and just yeah, like like I was talking to my daughter who's seven, you know, in school, and she they're learning all about different religions and you know Judaism, etc. It just it just struck me that it's really interesting that they they're learning about all these different religions, but nobody ever says this one's true or that these contradict each other. <laughs> so it's taught in a way that it's like all can be the, the same. And there is this, I think the UK does have an amazing sense of tolerance and multicultural, you know, fusion exhibit A over here. Like, so I, I think, you know, it's something that is just very normal, um, this idea of relative truth. Um, and I think just it's like the reluctance to offend. We don't want to offend people. Mm-hmm. We're all nice people. Not all of us, but <laughs> we don't want to offend people. So it's just easier to not make a stand for truth. 
than it is to actually challenge it. And I think that's what's really difficult about the conversation is it's very hard to make a case for like absolute truth, universal truth, without just trying to step on other people's beliefs. I would say, well, you must be wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because that's kind of the implication. But I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that is the case. <laughs> why do you think that, because I would say that we find the same thing here, but why do you think it is so, why is the idea of there being absolute truth so offensive? Yeah, I, I, I think it's got to be just the, the obvious that my truth means that your truth is not right. And, and it seems that we're emotional about our truth because mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure most of us have really thought it through. Even those of the Christian faith, a lot of us have arrived where we are as a product of you know, our environment. And so I think when you arrive somewhere as a product of your environment without being really challenged or you know, caused to think about why you believe what you believe, you know, as an adult, when someone challenges your beliefs, that's just like, a, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, that's quite an emotional thing. And it's quite, um, yeah, I think, I think it, it can cut deep. People don't want to have to think. I think it's easier not mm-hmm. to think about it. Yeah. I think the, a big responsibility that we have in, in uh, church leadership or just as a follower of Jesus in general is to be really dedicated to truth and to be unapologetic in leading people to truth mm-hmm. and yes. teaching teaching the foundation that undergirds the truth. And I mm. think that probably connects to what both of you are, are saying in terms of like the deconstruction movement and then also sats in terms of what you're saying about a lot of what we believe is inherited. But in fact, I was talking about this yesterday in church is a lot of times we inherit the fruit, but no one imparted the faith. Right. Mm. And so we have the, like, the trappings of it, the outer stuff of it, but we don't know why. And yeah. so then our truth gets challenged by a world who, funnily enough, ironically, doesn't have any issue <laughs> wanting to discredit Christian truth or, or religious truth in mm-hmm. general, it's super tolerant of them. So, and then we kind of crumble and we, you know, quote unquote, deconstruct or whatever. But really what it is, is just an invitation to learn. It's an invitation to grow. Mm. And if Christianity is true, then it's true. So we shouldn't be afraid to dig beneath the surface right. and find out why it's true. Yeah. And I think there's been a bit of a kind of we're separate from the world sort of theology where we've just mm. retreated a bit into our space and um, we're kind of, you know, a bit of us versus them. We just get on with our inter- mm-hmm. internal sort of stuff and almost not that, um, yeah, not that, no, no one's maybe generalizing, but maybe as a generation we've not really been taught or maybe the last generation we've not really been taught that we, we should occupy the space we shouldn't just occupy truth in our space, but truth needs to, you know, get, get out into the world as well. Yeah, I love that. Have you read um, Nancy Piercy's book, Total Truth? Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah. I think you put it on Instagram. So okay. that's how I actually saw it. Great yeah, book. Great read. That's essentially the thesis of her book, right? Is like, we can't mm. have, we can't have, a, uh, we can't have privatized values and privatized truth. Otherwise they're not really values is not really truth. I think her statement is Christianity is total truth about all of reality, mm-hmm. which is an yeah. invitation then for the Christian worldview or the biblical worldview to be ap- applied to mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. that's going on in the world. And if we live in a world that is created by God and has been ordered by God, um, then we should expect that the application of his truth would lead to the flourishing of human societies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what do you guys think it looks like to... Um, 
apply that? Because um, I think oftentimes, like we think about this idea of, okay, we've got to share the truth, we've got to bring the truth. I think oftentimes, like we can kind of make that immediately feel very like one dimensional. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, I'm going to like post more about what I believe on social media, right. or yes. I'm going to, um, it's like kind of very, yes, hey, this is like question. super baseline. Yeah. Well, this, um, but what about just like, the normal person who's a Christian, a follower of Jesus, they live their life, they go to their job, they go home, they've got kids. Like, how do they practically do that without being the dad at the soccer game going like, you know, hey, yeah, exactly. Hey, I saw your bumper sticker on your car. Let me tell you why that like that coexist sticker (laughs) is wrong. You know, like what is what does that look like? (laughs) That was the first thing. Yeah. I think it's a really great question. And this goes back to what we were talking about a a couple of weeks ago with um, can't remember who the conversation was was with. But basically this idea of having a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of times where the cart gets put before the horse is we try to impart value w- without uh, e- explaining the the foundation of, of our belief, which is a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think not to sound old school, but it really does for me come back to shamelessly calling people to the truth, mm-hmm. which is that Jesus died, right. was buried in a tomb, and rose again on the third day, mm-hmm. and is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And if that truth can come alive in people, mm-hmm. then all the rest uh, will follow. I have no reason to pay attention to anything in this book right. if, if that is not true about yeah. Christ. And I just think a lot of times we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it sounds a bit cliche, but if I'm dad at soccer practice and I'm sitting next to somebody in the bleachers watching our kids, I'm going to try to form a relationship with that person and build some kind of equity if I want to have any kind of influence right. um, in that person's life and maybe try to invite them into Christian community mm-hmm. and let them experience um, the power of the church in action and all those kinds of things that a lot of times we think of discipleship as something that happens after a moment of conversion, but actually in mm. the New Testament, discipleship is something that led to conversion. So people yes. were discipled into Christ, mm. not just came to Christ in right. a moment and then were discipled. And discipleship is a process mm-hmm. any way you look at it. And I think for me, one of the, like, probably my answer on this has changed quite a lot over the last couple of years in that I think for me, the greatest key is about learning to slow down and like have more fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because what I realized is uh, a lot of us, including myself, didn't have enough uh, relation, like deeper relationships with people outside of um, church and you're busy and we're working hard and, you know, post-Christian society mm-hmm. to just keep the thing going. I think like there's got to be something really enviable about being a Christian. People look in and yeah, they, they really so see something that's different and they see that. I, I think, you know, sometimes people do see the community and they go, oh, that's a nice community, but they equate it to, well, this community everywhere that's your community there's yep. the other community that's just your your way of doing it but i think there has to be something about that that is so sacred that mm-hmm. is so out of this world that mm-hmm. people just think there, there's something mm-hmm. something about it i think um, that comes back to what we were talking about with chris palmer the other day about living prophetically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like being unusually joyful or unusually at peace um in the midst of turbulent mm-hmm. circumstances is part of a prophetic lifestyle because you your lifestyle is pointing towards a greater reality than the reality that they're walking through right now. Mm-hmm. And this is why Christians oftentimes are, they don't realize it, but they're irresponsible when they panic the way the world panics. Mm. And because right. uh, that points to the fact that, that we actually deep down believe that we're part of the same reality that everybody else is a part of. Um, and I think it's a failure in our Christian witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, like preaching to myself, we all do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think we have to catch ourselves on it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. 
What do you guys think? And I like you saying this, Sats, the idea of um, like talking about community. People basically just going like, cool, yeah, you have your community and I've got mine. Mm -hmm. What makes your community more distinctive than mine? I think that's a thing too that's always talked about. Like a lot of what we talk about on the podcast is like taking stuff that is maybe more just like buzzword in Christian culture and kind of going, okay, what does this actually mean and look like, right? So even just now talking about like, okay, what is sharing the truth looks like? It can look like X, Y, Z. But when it comes to community, I mean, I just listened to a podcast the other day and with a very kind of like big, famous pastor, Christian thinker. And he was explaining how like the model of Christian community that he lives in is like him and the people that he lives life with, they don't spend over a thousand dollars out of their personal checking account without basically going to those people. So it would literally be like me calling you going, Hey, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on this. Help me pray through this and think about it. So that's like one side of the extreme of like, what does Christian community look like? Mm-hmm. But what do you yeah. think are like the distinctives of, mm. um, yeah, this is my CrossFit gym mm-hmm. or this is my, you know, whatever. And this is my like community of, of brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. that is basically different. Mm-hmm. Cause we're kind of saying, no, our community is different. I really like that example. Honestly, yeah. like that sounds extreme and that's not a practice in my life, but I also don't spend over a thousand dollars. Right. Very often. <laughs> I was literally thinking, how often do I spend over a thousand dollars? Can I, would I just be in a position first where I like can just spend over a thousand dollars? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's a really terrific example because what that does is that that in a very practical sense bucks against the spirit of individualism. Mm-hmm. And often we would hear that and go like, like we're all for the message of like, yes, body of Christ, mm-hmm. community, love that. But then when it comes time for like the rubber to meet the road and like practical examples like that come up, like, well, I don't want people like having any say on right. how I spend my money. Like, right. That seems ridiculous. But actually, I think that's that's mm-hmm. quite a sense. It's kind idea. of extreme. Like their small group creates their yearly family budgets. Wow. And wow. gets advice from one another and like sticks to it. And if they go outside of it, they kind of like reach out, not permission, mm-hmm. but just like a, hey, FYI, yeah. speak into this if you think it's not the right thing. I think that's like- I think it's just the general idea, whether it's that practice or, or something different. Right. It's the general idea of our lives genuinely being submitted to one another, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think when it comes down to distinctive of, of Christian community, um, it's submission. Mm-hmm. Submission is all throughout the New right. Testament. Um, it's a dirty word in our in our day because we're we're so individualistic and we don't want to be submitted to anybody but submission is all throughout the new testament and it's true in marriage it's true in friendship it's true in the body of christ paul says outdo one another in showing honor Mm. um well the way i honor somebody is i give weight to their words and if i'm going to give weight to their words that means i'm going to invite their opinion Mm -hmm. if i'm going to invite their opinion then it better be about something that matters otherwise i'm just giving lip service i'm not really submitted i'm not really honoring Mm -hmm. yeah that's fascinating just when you said the word submission there, I just had a little chuckle because you might need to fact check this, but does does Islam mean submission? I feel like there's a mainstream word in religious thought that just means submission. I was thinking that could be a great could be a great um yeah. <laughs> like, it's funny though, isn't it? If you if you would imagine people in the workplace or your friends hearing about that sort of community, whether they would be positive or, or negative. <laughs> yeah. I feel like well, in America, it would be like cult would be the first word that would come to yeah. people's mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just without knowing the context, right? right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And yeah. maybe in, no, yeah. in a certain sense, in, in some contexts, it, it gets cultishly applied. That yes. doesn't necessarily mean that's what's in view in the New Testament. Right. I think one of the problems is as well is that I'm, I'm sure LA is exactly the same. Everything's so transient, so people are floating in and out. So even when you do have genuine community, you know, and you're building towards exactly what you described, maybe not that specific example, yeah, you're building towards that. A lot of what people see from the outside is still the driftiness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what they when they look in, they still see those elements that are in and out. Do you think there's space for more 
uh, and I'm not proposing this, I'm more just asking, as uh, throwing it in the air, more exclusivity in the church. Do you think we do ourselves a disservice by keeping the, the boundaries of it so open-ended mm, um, or not? Question. That's a really good question. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot too, of like, especially in America, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, just what the trend of church and language around Christianity has mm-hmm. been, you know, over yeah. the last 10 years, which kind of ultimately like is a bit of yeah all yeah welcome all that kind of language. and it's sort of like it sounds nice but is it a bit of a bait and switch it is and if that's the I, case I it it's is. yeah it <laughs> is right but it sounds so nice but that goes back to that truth element of like those are the things that like tickle people's ears mm-hmm. but is it mm-hmm. really and and is more lack of a better term exclusivity in things like committed church community something that can make that a, a richer experience. Yeah. Well, I think it was interesting. I think it was with you and Fillmore where you sent through that Tim Keller article mm-hmm. and they were talking about why in the like the, the latter part of the 20th century, why were mainline denominations uh, in America declining and why was like conservative evangelicalism mm-hmm. climbing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons that Tim Keller uh, cites, or I think he's quoting somebody else who wasn't necessarily, I think he, he himself was a, uh, a liberal Protestant, like he was part of a mainline denomination, but he was, he was identifying how there is a sense of like theological exclusivity, more conservative branches of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of a more like uh, liberal mindedness in some of the mainline uh, Protestantism. And he was connecting that to the power of the exclusivity as people feel like they're part of something really important, mm-hmm. um, connected to like a really meta purpose. Mm-hmm. I think there is actually, obviously that is true. That happens in lots of different contexts. But I think that's very biblical. Mm-hmm. And the, <clears throat> the reason that uh, Christianity boomed the way that it did in the first centuries is because people lived under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they were part of something that was so counter mm-hmm. to the world that they lived in. And like the the one of our core convictions is is just the statement Jesus is Lord, and that's directly out of the New Testament, and that was such a dangerous thing to, for say, them to yeah. say, and such a countercultural yes. thing for them to say. They weren't going along with the culture; they were they were swimming yeah. upstream, so to speak. And I think the moment the church starts to go along with the culture, when the church starts to sound like the world, mm-hmm. I think the church becomes, as you said, Sats, just kind of another form of community. What really makes it different? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Even in like uh, the first couple of chapters of Revelation, where it talks about Jesus walking amongst the lampstands of the church, mm-hmm. Jesus says to some of the churches, like, if you keep compromising with the culture, I'm going to take your lampstand away. <laughs> uh, in other words, you're going to cease to be a church. The outer box yeah. might still be there. There might still be people that gather together on a Sunday that, that right. come together, but you're not a church anymore. You're just, I guess, for lack of a better word, you're a community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus never said he was going to build community. He said he was going to build the church. Right. And so there has to be something distinctive about the church. And part of it is the exclusivity. And I think what we, the mistake that we make is that we think exclusivity means uninviting. No, 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 no. no. Exclusivity is as inviting as it gets because you're inviting people into something different than what they're experiencing Mm -hmm. every day in the world around Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like with that line of thought, how how would that change the way you you know, onboard new people, create, obviously the culture of invitation is huge within C3, you know, it's open, but Massive. do you think there's a benefit in, in like front loading a little bit more as you come in? It's like, mm-hmm. boom. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely know. made that adjustment uh, when mm. we decided to come back together. We, we shifted gotcha. from 
hey, everybody, please, please, please join the team to, yeah. uh, hey, everybody, we really want you on the team. Here's what we believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, we, we put a lot of effort into resourcing people with um, yeah. like doctrine, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And so wow. I think, yeah, you do front load stuff. And I've, cool. I've just found, I think this is why we're enjoying mm-hmm. our church so much yes. right now. Like, yes. I feel like I'm, I'm in a space where I'm no longer waiting for like colossal failure to happen mm-hmm. or for like the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. Cause it just feels like we're all on the same page for the most part. I don't know, like, yeah. because we are such an, like a, a welcoming family, like mm-hmm. the, I'm not a, like oblivious, like there's different views and things like that in our church for sure. But I think there's quite a bit of clarity about who we are and what we believe. Mm-hmm. And, Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm takes, talking a takes lot. The pressure off, doesn't it? Like having to be a certain thing, what people want you to be. They they already know. They, uh, they may know. not agree, but they already know. Yeah, so, and I think they'd rather know. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's like particularly when it comes to the issue of sexuality. Yeah, I think churches a lot of times they keep their their biblical belief behind like closed doors because mm-hmm. they're so afraid yeah, of yeah. hurting people's feelings. Mm-hmm. But I think people would rather know what do you believe. So I don't come and plant myself in this church thinking you believe one thing, right? And then find out yeah. six months later that you believe another thing, and yeah. now I kind of feel yeah. like like you said, like tricked, right? You know, bait and well, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because like even so thinking about that, I think it's like I know for a fact since being a pastor, I've probably gone out of my way in a myriad of different issues to make people feel more comfortable, to make people feel like, sure. hey, we want you to be around. And I've, it's like that, you know, that age old, like, hey, I've got really good intentions, but like, I don't change people Jesus does. So if I can just keep them around long enough, like if I can just get them in the environment, eventually, you know, three, six, nine months, a year down the road, Holy Spirit will take care of whatever needs to be taken care of, which in one instance is true. But I also know that like, that's not how my discipleship has looked like. Exactly. Like the Holy Spirit didn't just go, okay, Michael, this thing that you, uh, this thing in your heart that is sin, like nine times out of 10, that's somebody who I'm walking with Christ with. Right. Kind of correcting that right yeah. so it's like maybe we are doing people a disservice by just saying like oh the holy spirit will deal with that right. when maybe it's more of our job not just as pastors but as like christians to walk with each other and that stuff i couldn't agree yeah. more yeah yeah it's awesome mm-hmm. i think the way the holy spirit often does that is through the scriptures mm-hmm. um and the scriptures have to be read and they have to be understood and they have to be taught mm. so christian uh, emphasis on christian experience without Christian intellectualism, I think, can can lead to like high hopes and low returns. Mm. Um, but mm. when the spirit and the word come together and they work with one another like they're meant to, mm-hmm. um, then I think really beautiful outcomes can happen in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, Sats, tell us, man. Um, before we before we close, where can people find you? Like, just tell us quickly, man. Where can they find you online? Tell us about the podcast. What are some yeah. other stuff you're going to be talking about? Like, what are some of the other topics? What are you currently? Um, um, yeah, I mean, anyone come say hi on Instagram at Sat Solanke, a podcast called Thought Club. Um, so you can, uh, yeah, anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, uh, and the like. Uh, coming up, we've got some convos on reincarnation, karma. Um, wow. What else? Can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah, definitely in that vein. I'd like to take it in around some other topics away from just kind of big religious themes. But um, yeah, for now, that's just where we're meandering. So uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's gonna be exciting. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm so curious. <laughs> I know. I want to. I want to hear the the reincarnation conversation. What are the What are the points you're gonna hit there? Well, I, I think again, we just like the idea of reincarnation. It's like quite an attractive idea. So it's quite nice. You get to kind of live forever and 
you know, um, but there's quite some dark kind of undersides of it. Um, and so I think often we attract a lot of ideas and we think that's nice. I'll have a bit of that. But um, yeah, like karma, you know, if, um, if everything you do is, is, is to, to get something back, mm. um, it creates a certain, uh, yeah, a, a certain awkwardness about how you live life. And, yeah. and if, if everybody experiencing something bad um, is experiencing it because of something they did in their past life, it just, yeah, there's implications on compassion, kindness, you know, wow. mercy, all those sorts of things. So I just think it's really interesting because when you think of the word karma, you just think, oh, that sounds really nice. Like right. karma is a good idea. People get what they deserve. That seems fair. Wow. But not always, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Like I, I just listening to you talk about that just makes me think about how I guess at, at bottom, it's a it's an expression of humanity's desire for justice. Like we like the idea of karma because people get what they yes. deserve. And really what that is, is just another way of saying that as humans, we're wired for just outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now you've, you, you've fully gone with the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> That's that awesome. Where, is that where you're going? Sorry. It's, it's, it's an element. Yeah, it's definitely in there. But it's, it's so true. We, we all want justice. We, we all want things to be right. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if it's connected on a deep soul level with ourselves. Like we need justice for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want to know that somebody's got our back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that's, I guess, why Christianity is so inviting, right? Because God is a God of justice. And even in the, in the Christian hope, it is, it is fundamentally the hope that all one day will be put right. Yes. Part of the difficulty with it and why this comes up against karma, I suppose, is that as Christians, we ultimately hope in God to execute perfect justice as opposed to always taking it into our own hands. And that comes back to just the basic Christian teaching of loving your enemy instead of seeking revenge mm. and the biblical teaching where God says, vengeance is mine. Some people would at first glance say, I don't really like that verse. I don't want God to be vengeful. But then you think about actually how much you want there to be justice in the world and you go, yeah, it's mm-hmm. good that God has vengeance. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vengeance is a kindness. Vengeance I love is that. Kindness, yeah. Unpack we, we did a whole series on um, like hell, sin, <laughs> judgment, and it was exactly all around this sort of stuff. Like, like hell is actually God's kindness, mm. um, that he's going to create separation between everything that's good, everything that's bad. Yeah. I agree with you in that regard for sure. Yeah. Hell, good. hell is kindness. I think that needs to be the episode title. <laughs> hell is kindness. Hell is kindness. With <laughs> Just the last 30 seconds. Yeah, we got the quote. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's honestly, that's really good. That's great, man. That's Thought really Club good. Is your podcast, Sats, you're the man. Yeah. Thanks for hanging yeah, with well, us, man. So we nice fi- to we fixed the, figured out the time zone thing and it's, it's uh, <laughs> you just put your kids to bed, you said, right? So I say, yeah, it's actually, it's pretty bad because I, I didn't just get it out by one hour. I got it out by two hours. Oh. <laughs> so I completely messed up the timing. And I just, just before I kind of finished, you know, the rest of the day, I just thought, I'll just double check what the time was. I was like, <laughs> yeah, but honestly, guys, thanks so much for having me on. It's been so nice to, to hang. Wait a minute, before you go, just out of curiosity, mm. you said uh, you had your first Sunday gathering yesterday. Yeah. How was it? it? It was it was awesome. Sorry, not actually yesterday, week, week before. So we, um, yeah, we, we've done a lot of what we talked about in terms of just really low pressure, like, hey, come if you like, <laughs> you know, like we've really chilled out. Uh, we're doing a whole series on minimalism um, and that's helped us really well just to start with this really chilled approach, just the idea of getting rid of the things that are peripheral, unnecessary, so that we can focus on the things that really matter. So part of our strategy is we've not gone back weekly. Uh, we're going back uh, monthly, mm. um, So, um, but in two locations. So it's like it works up fortnightly. Yeah, so awesome. uh, it's really, really slow days. 
but good days. Yeah. yeah. Just the sense of coming together was amazing. So, yeah. so is there a, like a sense of refreshment and excitement from people coming back together? I think so. And, but, but I think if I'm honest as well, like I was, I was really unsure how it was going to go. There were two ways. One was going to be like absolute hype fest, you know, 18 months of having missed coming together. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one was going to be like a bit of tiredness, you know, people yeah. kind of, you know, just haven't been a bit beaten. And, and it was a bit of a mix of both yeah. uh, in the mix of, of real excitement, but also, um, yeah, people are out of the routine of, of gathering and yeah. it has a, has an effect on people, doesn't it? So yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, we're glad to hear that y'all are yeah. coming back together and thanks so much for sharing with us today. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks, thanks man. Sense. Talk to you soon.